Hi, I'm Tracy. And I'm Norma. And we're Black Girls with Accents. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I know that we took a brief hiatus in the midst of all this COVID craziness, and we did host uh, a live uh, Instagram chat, but we are trying a different format for you. Norma. Yes. Hi, everyone. Uh, We are recording on Zoom, um, and I'm actually very excited um, to be back on the podcast and to just bring, you know, new content. And I miss Tracy, and this is actually a nice way to get going again. Yes, and see each other face to face. Yeah. So for today's topic, Norma, today's topic, um, we are going to be talking about, well, the title is The Only One in the Room. So Norma, take it away. Yes. Um, I've, um, I've spoken to Tracy about this before, and I really wanted to address this topic because um, it's, it's one of the experiences that I've had over here that made me um, question my feelings surrounding that sentence. Now, for those who don't understand uh, what the only one in the room stands for, um, they're often amongst Blacks, they will uh, be at a, a function or something related to work or something, and they will be the only one in the room. And <laughs> for some reason that cause that brings up um, a certain emotion, um, an emotion that I wasn't aware of before I moved to the U.S. It was not an experience that I had felt. I didn't, I didn't feel while growing up in Europe that I would be in a space, and which happened quite often, where I was the only one. But I didn't feel out of place, or I didn't necessarily notice. Um, yeah, that's what we the noticing, yes, and then fast forward to the in being in the U.S. and having African American friends, and uh, um, often work related, like you know, kind of having event and saying like, and so annoying, and I was the only one in the room, and so I started asking like, what do you mean by that when you said you were the only one in the room? And they were like, there were no other black people. I had to, they feel like I had to defend, speak up, like for any type of racial awareness or anything that was uh, misconstrued um, when it came to topics related to uh, people of color or and or just black in general and um, that was just something that I had not experienced so I wanted to I wanted to address that yeah yeah I think um, no good great points and, and and actually I think now having lived here for so long, I fall prey to that quite a bit. As someone who is in a leadership position at my job, I am often the only one or one of two mm-hmm. in the room. And being in the United States where everything is so racialized right now, we're in the midst of a really trying time uh, with the um, state-sanctioned violence of Black mm-hmm. males, and we're dealing with this, and there are mass protests all over, and not just the nation, but you know, globally, people are really moved to speak out, and they're just frustrated, and they're just yes. 
they're just seeking some kind of resolution to this kind of lawlessness of law enforcement. But anyway, because everything is so racialized here, I have fallen prey to that, right? So I'm always now have a heightened sense of awareness of who else is in the room. Because mm. invariably I know that when the subject of race comes up, I'm going to either be looked at for a response. And that's actually just happened. I just came from a meeting where now being the only person in the room or the person in the room who meets a particular criteria is, is um, um, I have currency right now. Mm. Because um, there's a lot of work that people need to do and institutions around violence and Black Lives Matter and police brutality. And because I'm the one in the room, now my expertise and my personal experience has value. Yeah. But it could play the other way too, right? Being the only one in the room and, and acknowledging that you're the only one in the room in the United States of America, at least, can either make you uncomfortable because you acknowledge you're the only one in the room um, or it can make you kind of like the spokesperson being the only mm-hmm. one in the room. These are not feelings that I had in the UK because I was much younger, of course, and I wasn't moving in these kind of spaces. Um, I think there was an obliviousness that I had. I just didn't, um, even if you, I mean, because very clearly, we both for both of us, the, we spent probably half of the day as very few other students of color around us. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so there's a socialization that goes along with that, that we're not, we're not really internalizing that we're the only ones in the room, that we know that, um, at home, there are people that look like us, but it doesn't really matter because no one might be directly calling us names. The mm. microaggressions we're not picking up on yet. Yes. Savvy enough to pick, on those, pick up on those microaggressions. Or even if somebody says something and it makes us uncomfortable because we believe so-and-so is our friend or they're not racist because we have mm. sleepovers or their mother buys me a Christmas present every year. Like, mm. we can, like, kind of justify but. We'll, I'll get to this a little, in a little bit. Having a more mature me, though, now knows those microaggressions. Now, I'll talk, yeah. talk about that in a minute. Yeah. Yeah. I, so what happened with the, the part that I feel like I, that stayed on my mind is that then once I did go into spaces and I was the only one, it, it, it made me uncomfortable to start thinking about like, wait, what does that mean? Like, I'm the only one, like, and I didn't like that it kind of made me feel uh, lesser than. So then I other, and then I kind of shook that uh, feeling off. I was like, oh, I'm not, if this is what you guys are talking about, then I'm definitely not taking this on. Like, I didn't have it, so I'm not gonna take this on. To me, these are just other people in the room uh, and not in saying it in like, um, I don't see color way. More that I was like, I, didn't, I, I don't believe that anybody else in, if I'm in this meeting or in this place, like I don't feel like I do not belong. Like I, I belong, like just like any other person that's in this room. Uh, so I kind of shook it off, but it stayed on my mind that basically knowing that so many people do immediately uh, record it. And I, I so I would, my, question kind of to everybody is also like well are you aware 
of what it does to you. Like, are you aware that you, do you feel lesser than? Do you feel be better than? Or do you feel what you said, like, I have to educate in this room? Like, and that's kind of just what stayed on my mind. I was like, wait, this, this one sentence, the only one in the room, it does, is doing a lot to us mentally within that space, which is, which is changing your, the way you feel everybody in that, in that room at the time, as soon as you bring that to the, to the forefront. I would say, given my upbringing, I do have somewhat of a bit of an attitude sometimes, an attitude that is kind of, uh, it's not arrogant, but sometimes I'm in rooms where I am the only one or one of few, but I don't feel, I might feel intimidated if it's like something dealing with like people who are more superior than I am in terms of not superior, wrong word, but people who are more um, advanced than I am in my particular field or mm -hmm. maybe I might feel a little bit intimidated, a tiny bit intimidated, but I, there's a little bit of arrogance in me that, that has a kind of like, how dare you? Like, who are you? Like, mm. I am. Like, so I don't, um, I certainly don't have that going on. I have more just of an awareness that, okay, I'm the only one in the room. So now when the issue of race is going to come up, I'm going to be the one that they look, it's more of that for me. Mm, I'm or, annoyance, or an annoyance, or mm. an annoyance. Like, seriously, we're in the 20th century and I'm the only one in the room? Like, you guys haven't thought to hire anybody else yet? Like, don't you see yeah. this is wrong? So that's, that's more my feeling. Certainly mm. not a feeling of... Um, um, feeling like I shouldn't be, I don't deserve to be in those spaces. Room. Yeah. Because I wasn't, and I think that's because I wasn't raised here. Mm -hmm. But I don't necessarily mean I, um, my, um, there's a gullibleness maybe that I came here with. Mm -hmm. So I didn't, so I didn't know to feel the kind of, um, anger or, um, fear or any of the emotions other people might feel mm -hmm. because I was a little bit gullible when it came to issues of race. Mm -hmm. I think I shared that with you for sure. It took, it took moving away and then looking back at the Netherlands to see like, oh God, it's, that's a whole heap of racism right there, but in, a, in such a different way that it's um, just spoons fed in a way I feel. And so to, to look, to appreciate some certain things where I'm like, I'm not going to feel lesser than anybody in this room or, um, or feel like I don't belong. I appreciate things like that. But at the same time, there's, um, we spoke about this before a little bit too. It's about um, like that being a European black. And so it's also easier to speak to me for some reason or to have me in these spaces. Um, and, um, that, that also, um, messes, not messes with my mind, but stays on my mind. I'm like, oh, so am I better trained in your opinion to be around, uh, whites? And I was like, I have very similar feelings to any other black person that I know. Um, and I'm focal about them. And so it often also to me just plays that the situation just didn't, we just didn't end up speaking about it yet. So you're just assuming that I have maybe a different opinion or won't speak on it if when it comes to race. 
Um, Let me ask you now that you have children, because I can say as a mother, especially since both of our kids, both of our kids have only attended predominantly white institutions. Mm -hmm. As a mother, how does that, um, how do you not project, how do you preserve your feelings about um, being secure in your skin and making sure your, your, your children feel that way? Because for me, I've always told my kids, you're not an ambassador for blackness. You don't have to carry the burden of blackness. Mm. Um, that you, as an American who is black, but as an American, you know, you have, you, your constitution promises you and your declaration of independence promises you life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And so you are deserving of that the same as any other American. Having mm-hmm. said that, I can remember an experience where we were somewhere on vacation and when we walked in the room as the only ones in the room, mm-hmm. it felt like the whole room stopped to stare at us because they were mostly white people. It was all white mm-hmm. people, actually. And it was a moment where my heart broke because in that moment, I knew that my kids felt that. Mm-hmm. without us even saying anything we hadn't even yeah. said anything to each other they felt the energy in the room change they knew that because we had entered that space yeah and my husband hadn't even entered in as well yet mm. right? so it was just three women of well, yeah. um, a woman and two kids of color in a in a white space somehow in the 21st century our entry into that space changed the energy in the room and our kids felt it Wow! without even without saying anything Mm -hmm. so there is something about being here that um makes you aware of of your difference and the only thing that makes in a situation like that the only thing that's different is okay yes we're tall but did the energy in the room change because we're tall? Mm. Not, right? No. Probably yeah. not. And my pep talk to the girls was, I feel sad for these people because they must be Neanderthals. If they have never seen Black people in the 21st century, we didn't yeah. go to a rural village where they've never seen Black people. We were in yeah. a place where there are lots of people from all different backgrounds. But if these people aren't accustomed to having black people in their space well they're the cavemen right mm-hmm. what's wrong with them the issue is mm-hmm. not with us but we don't have to apologize for our blackness they need to be a little bit more introspective about their lack of cultural awareness mm-hmm. those are the kind of conversations that i have with my kids to ensure that when they're in white spaces whether it's the camp or school or wherever they they are and they're one of few or they are it they don't have to burden, bear the burden of ex- being um, apologetic mm-hmm. or have to excuse themselves for it. The, 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 the problem, any issue is on the white people or the, or the Asian people or whomever else. The, the, whoever the, else it is. Yeah. yeah. Not on us. It's, it's, um, it's not a similar um, event, but the, which is kind of 
just because you said whoever the other group is. Um, so an, a time that I did notice like, well, what just happened in going into a room is um, I, one of my friends, she's white, and she invited me to, um, I think it was her school gala or, that's one of the first times I noticed it. It's funny too, because the school is dead in the middle of Brooklyn and there's, there's not, there's no black people at that school. Um, <laughs> like it's like the strange thing. And, uh, and uh, one of the white women is married to an, an Indian descent man. Mm -hmm. uh, he wasn't there before, like, so we were there first. And so everything was just fine and everything. And then once he came, he was doing this very odd thing of like making sure like like turning his back on me not including me in the conversation even though people were speaking and so Ooh. i was like what is happening and then i was like oh it's making because we're he's actually darker than me oh the whole skin tone thing so i think for him it was like me being there show like in his head would group us together i don't know like really like i shouldn't speak for him but it took me a second and then I was like, oh, I'm not doing this with you because I wasn't uncomfortable to begin with. So then I just kind of excluded him out of my mind. I was like, if you're going to do that, that's fine. But you're doing that alone. You're not going to make me uncomfortable. And I had a great night, but I thought it was interesting that, uh, that it was another person of color from a different, from mm -hmm. black, but a, still a person of color that couldn't handle being with another person of color in the room that I guess normally he's the only person yeah. in. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. That's a fantastic example. Yeah, I mean, um, as I was saying... Uh, are we all just trying to, like, belong to that group? Is that what's happening? Like, I'm, I'm, that's just where my mind went with him. I was like, are you working so hard to be part of this white group that it's upsetting to you when another black person is here or another person of color is here because it's a right. it's like I pulled you right back down what is happening for you <laughs> well <laughs> there, there, there is that idea of um there is that idea of um some people like to be the only one in the room <laughs> right probably they yeah don't want, they don't want company they mm -hmm. like that they can be the 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 lone uh, expert or authority on what it means mm -hmm. to be a person of color. And obviously, we have to always be mindful that when you're a person of color, you're not you you can't speak on behalf of the group. You can only mm -hmm. speak anecdotally about your particular experience. Um. Um. Oh, so sorry. Definitely. No, sorry. And then I had a, I have an, another uh, example too, which was more um, pleasant. Um, I have good friends uh, who moved to Portland. And then so when they come back to the city, we often do stuff in a group because they want to see as much of their people as possible. And so they have another black woman who is their friend. Um, and I'm not sure, but I want to say she's African-American, but I'm not 100% sure. And I did notice when we would first be together that we would necessarily talk that much to each other. But I also didn't want to impose and like be like, we have to click because, but like I was just kind of letting her be. 
But then on one of the occasions that we happened to just be the two of us together, again with everybody at the table, I came back from the, from the restroom and she offered me uh, lotion. And so I did. <laughs> and, and it was a topic that we had, I had already separately discussed with my friends from Portland because, you know, skincare, whatever. And so, so it was funny because then we bonded over that, but we also got to like have that conversation again as a, in a group. Cause I, it's, yeah. it's funny because I notice when I am in a room and I notice another person of color, I actually do. I actually am intentional about, oh, there's another person of color. You get eye contact. If I read some kind of energy from you that's saying, just because you're black doesn't mean that I need to talk yeah. to you, then that's all I... One, um, you know, yeah. turn your head away or look like I'm like, the, you know, look me up and down. Anything like that. That's it. Don't bother. That's yeah. it. I've no. That's I've, a good that's one. I think I was kind of oblivious. So I wasn't making that initial first contact. I thought we were just mm-hmm. fine. But I actually think that's a, that's a great thing to do. I do need to like take a, a snapshot of what, Person, you want you're going to be in here, and if that's what you want, I'm not participating. So, <laughs> yeah, I like to know who you are, and if, yeah. if we're doing, we're not talking because you're black. Don't think then. Okay, then we'll do that. Right, yeah, I we'll do that yeah. immediately. Um, so let me. I just want to bridge this to thinking about looking at home with fresh eyes. I just had to write a paper yes. for a conference two weeks ago and the paper was looking at um grassroots social justice movements in the UK actually initially it was the UK and Canada mm-hmm. and then looking at looking at how in both of those nations they address issues of social inequity primarily thinking though about policing and excessive force mm-hmm. and in preparing for this, um, this is this is two weeks. This is two weeks before the George Floyd incident. Mm. In preparing for this, initially I was thinking, you know, England and Canada, like they have great PR, mm-hmm. light societies, highly functioning societies. Um, they like to think of themselves as very ethical people the great PR machine and all of the problems of the world, especially as they pertain to race and police, are America's mm-hmm. issues. Mm-hmm. South, maybe South Africa's issues in a time gone by for South Africa, right? Mm-hmm. And then as I began to look at the stats, it unveiled a whole history to me that I just didn't know. Growing up in England... I knew about the Brixton riots because my brothers were involved in going to fight the good fight and other older boys of color that we knew. So I knew that in the 70s um, and in the 80s, sorry, in the 80s, that, that there were these riots. I knew that. Um, and all I knew was that there was a racial component of it. I didn't know that from the 1950s, the National Front was bombing the homes of Black and Asian families. I didn't know that. Mm-mm. And I didn't know that the government did very little to, that was punitive, right, to ensure that they not only protected 
black and brown communities, but they punished the supremacists who were engaged mm-hmm. in this action. I didn't know um, in the 1980s that they burned down a home with 13, 13 youth, a uh, new cross, I believe it is, 13 in South London, 13 young people were killed in an arson attack. Mm-hmm. in a largely Caribbean community in the 1981. I didn't know about the sus laws, the stop and search laws. And I, was, you know, I mean, I was also young and I wasn't tapped into what was happening because everything that kind of filtered in my mind was about what's happening in Uganda, you know, what was happening in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. The news didn't do a really good job of and certainly we didn't learn anything this in school, they didn't do a great job of um, my local news and my little small town centre didn't do a good job of really covering what was happening um, at a macro level the way that they should. So anyway, all of that to say, preparing for this paper unveiled a whole history. Now I know... Britain's racism is just packaged differently. I know that. Mm-hmm. There's um, the color bar and that, you know, my dad and my aunts and uncles and my mom were greeted to no dogs, no Irish, no blacks. I knew all that stuff. Mm. I didn't know the extent to the entrenched racism in the UK and the history of um, state sanctioned violence that mm-hmm. they'd like to project as an American problem, they have their own. And when you look at the statistics, yes, the population is much smaller. So therefore, when you look at the incarceration rate, the numbers, percentages are smaller. When you look at the number of um, black men and women who died in police custody, the numbers are smaller. But when you look at the numbers comparatively, if you look at it, um, if you look at it, um, how can I say? If you put it in context, and if you say, okay, well, in the UK, there's X percent of the population, and in America, there's X percent of the population. So therefore, the ratio of deaths to population is outstanding. Then mm-hmm. it's the same. It's the same. The number of Black people who have died in police custody in the UK, and there have been no charges. Yeah police have all been exonerated it's the same story so so my point is sorry to kind of go off tangent a little bit but it's about this whole idea of thinking you're not the only one in the room and growing up in a nation where you know there's racism but it's not really touching you on the day-to-day in the way that it does Mm -hmm. people here and then when you mature and you look back and you're like wow Mm -hmm. I say all that because people have been um lauding lauding people in in England or in Britain and in France and Germany and in Australia and applauding them for their participation Mm -hmm. in the outrage and I'm like okay but do you know what's happening to people in all of the said nations you know what's happening to the indigenous communities in Australia you know what's happening to the North Africans in France you know what happens to the regular black people in England and Asian youth in England so let's be real about what's happening in these places that have been able to fool everybody into thinking that they don't have the same problems here so while I grew up with the luxury of not feeling like I was the only one in the room and not having the same kind of 
angst about my racial identity as an adult I feel I don't know I'm just gonna it's gonna still be I've not been home in a couple of years and I was supposed to be home actually uh last month but it's gonna still be so much different when I go home um hopefully by the end of the year I'm just gonna feel so much differently yeah it's like this I know that yeah. I know that feeling really well um I, I I totally get what you're saying, especially about the the not knowing. Um, um, Dutch white people have the tendency to answer in very uh, crass and lack of empathy ways when you address um, race issues. Uh, I think that's a way to because they can't handle the conversation, so they try to dismiss what we're gonna address or speak about. But the more I looked like, I mean, I went to school, my classroom was mostly white. Like, you know, like it's not like it was like diverse and they're learning somewhere else. And the more I think about it, just like how I say that there was nothing thought about Suriname and slavery and like they are, I was like, it's the same for them. Like, especially if I think about my generation and lower. Mm -hmm telling us we were doing um we, sugar and spices was our our golden age of market you know like things like that and i'm like nowhere does it say which came from the slaves in suriname from the plantations or something so i was like actually there these white dutch people have a lack of information about their history themselves um, so yes, it might be rooted in them um, to answer that way, but I was like, but it's also because the lack of knowledge of like what really happened. Because if you were taught out of the same books that I was, you didn't get it. We got we got about the World War and the Jews, and we still on like you know like everything that has to do with racial awareness or. Um, 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 thinking of others, it revolves around World War II and what we do to remember the Jewish people that suffered during that time. That's about it. What about football? Because I know that, the, the, if I'm not mistaken, there, was some, there were some incidences with um, racial slurs and things against football players, though, right, in the Netherlands. Yes. So how was that, that handled? It's it's just it's just dismissed. Like there's newspaper to me, it's just dismissed. I, I there's there's newspapers that will write up about it. Uh, I have to go back and check, but I don't remember. I'm, and I'm talking about um, like I feel like Clarence Seydorf is is a good example. He when he used to play, uh, he's about he's about my age, so he should be in his forties now. And so when he was playing from his his teens going into his 20s, like they yell all kind of crazy slurs or whatever. But then later in his career, he became a coach. Um, uh, let me not say it wrong. Barcelona, I want to say. And then, of course, the headline reads, first Dutch coach, blah, blah. And we were like, wait, wasn't he Suriname all this time? Like, like you yell all kind of craziness to him when he's on the field. Then he supposedly belongs to us. But then when he accomplished something, then mm. it's then it's he's Dutch. First wow. coach of, of and then we were like, no, you mean surname coach. 
then use it all the time. So that it, those are one of the things that like stayed on my mind and like, it's not handled, but it is used in, in your convenience to when you want to pull it in. And honestly, um, now that I think of it, my nephew, uh, I posted him a couple of weeks ago because he's a, he's, he's a doctor. And, um, so, um, he was doing his residency or whatever his specialty is, but then they were also asked to help during COVID because the because of the lack of doctors. So he's been working nonstop and then also not being able to see his own parents, right? Because he's constantly on the COVID floor. <clears throat> so we have posted about that. And of course, all the praise and, you know, because he's there and he's an essential worker, blah, blah. And then this Sunday, he protested. He was in the protest. Mm-hmm. Got all the negative comments. Shut up like Negro, blah, blah, like all those nasty things. And so he posted about it. He was like, I thought I was, um, I was good when I was, um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to translate what he said, but I'm, I'm thinking of the wrong, I'm thinking of the wrong word, but he was saying like, it was good when I was presenting, but not presenting. It's, um, when my accomplishments were in their favor, right? He said, he's doing floors during COVID and blah, blah, the sacrifice. Then it was like raving reviews and feedback and thank you for your job. But he can't speak up about the fact that he's mistreated for his skin color. Then, then he was like, then he's just diminished and um, he's being un, he's being undutch. You know, like mm-hmm. you, know, you can't just pick and choose to me when it's in your your favor of um, how you want um, this person to be part of you and and not at the same time yeah right agreed agreed yeah it's just it's a um to look back or to think about your upbringing as an adult and kind of how much it opens your eyes to what was right there in front of you that you just didn't because it really for me again you know my brothers and I were called names, but the names thing, okay, it's hurtful. For me, it's more wrestling with the um, historical aspect of things. Mm. And it's the um, thinking about what's happening right now. Like even with the whole, when I, when I was writing that paper, um, Black people, black people, not, I mean, okay, you might expect non-people of African descent to say, well, why are you talking about Black Lives Matter? Because that's an American issue. That's an American organization. We don't have those problems here. You might expect somebody who's not of African descent to say that. But people of African descent say that there too. Like, you know, this is just, this is not our issue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's not true. It's not true at all. It is the same issue that needs to be addressed. And maybe, and there are other organizations like the Black London Revolutionaries, for example, there are other organizations. There have always been organizations in the UK who've been fighting against um, injustice from the grassroots level and on up. But Black Lives Matter, I think, has a particular cachet because they're an organization that has a different paradigm for um for direct action mm-hmm. and they obviously have a visibility and also technology 
right? The 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 technology. Yeah, the, the organization sure. <clears throat> twenty years ago couldn't reach mass audiences like this. They couldn't control the narrative. They couldn't, um, you know, fundraise with the click of a thumb or a button. They couldn't um, build coalitions in using technology in the way that we can now. So that has also changed everything. And so Black Lives Matter becomes more of a global movement than something specific to one nation. Mm-hmm. Because they're able to advertise that kind of shared oppression that the media does a great job of kind of... Um, ignoring or overshadowing with other things such as the ongoing wars in Africa because that's what they like to focus on yeah definitely it's um so to circle back to only one in the room I'm even thinking now that I I I had this only one in the room feeling when I went home um, after so many years, if I think about it, like to, to, to go home and kind of feel like the way you think or the way you observe everything is not connecting at all. That made me think like, oh, wow, like from my family members, from my friends, we don't think or see alike anymore. Um, uh, yeah, it, it was also, it, it took me, it, it threw me off. I was out with my, one of my close friends. And we went to eat um, swarma at night, and there was a, a white couple sitting um, behind us. And she was just going on like, nigga this, nigga that. But at first, I thought that I was not hearing correct. Like, I was like, that cannot be the conversation. And then my friend, like, stopped. And she was like, are you saying nigga? I was like, I'm not, are you saying the N-word? And I was like, I thought so. But then I was like, am I, is it just my, my ears? Because like I'm so used to English now and it was in Dutch, like so they're not saying it like to, they're having a Dutch conversation with the word in it. And my reaction was delayed because I was so thrown off. But then my friend was like, listen, if you were home and you wanna have this conversation because you feel bold and free to say that, that's fine. She was like, but do not sit here and say all this crap when you see us sitting at this table. And she was like, cause, and, and, you know, it's a little easier to curse out Dutch white people in Dutch. And so she went in and like, if I start saying all these things at this table and, and you're sitting here, you will be offended and you'll be upset. But meaningly saying like, my friend's reaction was more on point than my own because it, I was just so thrown off because that, I don't remember that ever happening when I was uh, in the Netherlands. So I think there's also this, this, um, this part of like, so this part that I was already there, right? Like a part of racism that I was already inside or is already there. But now also another part is added where people think that they can boldly and freely speak however way they want it. And that really threw me off. Um, Let me ask you, were these young people? They were... Hmm, no, not that young. I would still say end of 20s, beginning of 30s. And were they using it the same way that young white people here have co-opted it to just kind of talk about their friends and things? Or were they using it in a direct... Like, I'm trying to understand. I'm trying to wrap my no, head No, it, 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 was, it was like... It was that loose talk. Like, it, it, I could almost tell that it was like, I feel cool right now, type of behavior. But it took me a second to realize that that was really 
what was happening and even like, and then the store owner was Arabic. So he was asking us to calm down. So there were so many things in that, in that little like exchange that I was like, oh, we have so much work to do. Like in, in my head. And I just grew up really in a, at, I think a fun time that was not as racially charged, I guess maybe I wasn't seeing it. Maybe my eyes were young. But I was like, oh, that's a lot. Like just this little exchange or this exchange, not, I shouldn't make it small. I was like, there's so much to unpack here. He like, he did not ask them to leave. He asked us to calm down. Mm. There's all these things. In, but the girl, the, 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 sorry, not the girl, the guy at the table ended up turning around and apologizing. But the girl just said that with a red face. And she honestly was the one who said it the most. Like, you know, like the way I caught it, I was like, are they, are they, is that what they're saying? And I was like, oh my God. So this is, this is what we're doing now too. We're, we're using slang. It's, it's like a fun. And I was like, no, it's not. But it's also not in, remember when we spoke and I said, the word nigger didn't mean anything to me because I didn't grow up with it. It, didn't, it doesn't hold weight. The same yeah. It does for African-American blacks. Yeah. And, and so I also realized that like, they're probably getting away with it because black people over in Europe are not that it's not a real word to them. It's more like now we're taking on, not taking on, now we're standing with like, wait, my, you know, African-American blacks, this is word is a big hang up. So the people that are using it now in Europe or even if like for cool or to curse out, it's a new, it's a new word to attack people word with. It's wow. not, um, it's not a one that we had when we grew up or um, when I grew up, I should say, or that was used to, to um, attack or handle, you know, minorities. And then they also say it to, which is even more insane. They'll use it towards like the Turkish people, Moroccan, Indonesia. So it's now you're really just using it as a. Um, yeah. Flair. Yeah. And I, I, I was, yeah, like a slur. And I was like, oh, this is, this is what we're doing over here now. And yeah, and that you're sitting there and that they're just oblivious to you. Like, they're like so that means they are, must be in situations where other people don't say anything. Yes, definitely. And so I was, re- I was extremely proud that my friend was not as lost in the moment as I was, because I was so blown away that I was like, I couldn't really speak right away, but she she really nailed it. She, the way she addressed it, and and um, and and it, it was over. But and then they the guy apologized, and then they ended up leaving. Um, but I just thought it was it, it, I thought it was interesting that still the owner of the restaurant was like more like calm down, let it go. Like we were still the ones to ask to swallow that nonsense instead of asking them like leave. Like yeah. in my head, I was like, is it because nobody feels like anybody's really speaking to them? See what I mean? Like if, if I'm upset because I'm black, but you're Moroccan, like then you're like, well, that's not me because I have nothing to do with it. Meanwhile, they're like, go back to Africa. Right. It's in Africa. Like, you know, like so it's all these things that I'm like, yeah, it's, it's fine to take all these positions. Like I don't belong to this group or I don't, but at the same time, clearly in white eyes it's just like it's us and all of you people of color on that side yes okay where you're from i don't care what kind of like you don't belong with us right funny so okay so now then 
Um, so do you see home differently now then? Mm-hmm. Very much so. It's very hard for me. Like there's so many things because then there's the racial stuff just with other races. Um, I'm very upset of, about how Moroccan people are being treated in um, the Netherlands for the definitely yeah. like the, I want to say since the Euro changed, I think I touched on that a little bit. Um, it was just not like that before. And I know that always happens when money changes or whatever, but I just feel like we've gone to an extent of being cruel towards it. And um, I feel like certain people are kind of acting like a hoof, like it, the light is off of us a little bit behavior. Like, yes, <laughs> like let it, like we have this, like they can have a piece of this or a taste of this. Um, or we're not the bottom ones anymore, whatever the hell people want to put towards it. But I'm like, no, this is, it's gonna, if we don't address it for everyone, at some point it's gonna be back on us. At some point it's gonna be back that certain people are the bottom of the barrel or whatever. So you shouldn't, you shouldn't allow this for another group. Uh, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. It's deflection away and the feeling of privilege, the feeling of a hierarchy. and where you're no longer the target, so let somebody else, yeah. Let somebody else have some of that brunch. Well, what have we learned today, Norma? <laughs> I, let's see, what have I learned? I wanna say that I've learned that I will pay, I will pay attention to how I enter a room, if there's, but more from the point of like, how can I bridge and how can I, um, how can I bridge and how can I make sure that I don't represent, not, I don't want to, I don't want to say not represent the race because that sounds like I'm not proud to be a person mm-hmm. in the room, but mm-hmm. kind of like how you said, like how people will turn, like, what is the solution? Like, no, you don't, don't count on me as the voice for the whole black community. I want to, I want to make sure that in those rooms that if, when I answer, you leave with a clear idea of if it comes to those type of topics that you leave with an idea of like these are the different views that you can have within our community but um stop putting everything on one person like i want to find a way where i answer i ask questions back that unpeel some of their own stuff instead of making it about you know like even the sometimes the sympathizing like oh it's hard for black women like no don't sympathize you don't know how it feels so don't (laughs) <laughs> give me those uh yeah well that a lot of that's happening right now right with all the riots and people not knowing how to process if they're not familiar with dealing with kind of racial discrimination that, that we might encounter on a daily basis so um yeah but that's a whole nother topic that we are not going to yes yeah, uh, tackle today and I, yeah, that's what I've learned. What do you What do you feel about this one in only one in the room? I am up and down. It sometimes it just depends on my mood. Sometimes I walk in. I mean, I am almost. I mean, I'm 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 six foot tall. I have a very commanding presence before I even open my mouth. Right. So I've not yeah. even said anything, and heads turn. Um, and as soon as I open my mouth, of course, the turn is double. <laughs> double um i have learned to um i don't know i think i'm always learning i think it just depends on 
the situation. Sometimes I walk in a room, I know all eyes are on me. I do my best to be my charming self. Um, and for the most part, I am not looking to earn anybody's uh, respect or mm-hmm. adoration or I want to be respected, but um, that should just be because I'm a human being, right? I'm just mm-hmm. um, looking to make my contribution if I have something that I'm supposed to contribute. Mm-hmm. Um, my contribution if I feel that I can or I feel like it. Um, and know that they know that I'm fabulous. So they know that, all right, well, here's this black woman. She looks unapologetic. Mm-hmm. I don't look angry. I don't look um, meek. I think I, I think I look quite powerful. I think I present myself as being someone who's a strong. And they can define yeah. however they wish to. Um, but yeah, maybe that's a performance. Maybe that's, maybe I think it's subconscious and it's not. But I certainly don't walk into rooms feeling like because I'm the only black one, I'm, I don't know if we should be here. If anything, I like to barge into places where they think I'm not supposed to be. Yeah. If anything, yeah, I kind of enjoy that. Like I'm always like, what do you mean? I think one thing that the last part I would say for myself is that, um, because I'm a very accommodating person and I think I'll, I'll be more mindful of how accommodating I am if I'm by myself. I'll be more hesitant about who deserves some accommodation, if that makes if that mm-hmm. makes Because mm-hmm. I do feel like sometimes that might feel as if I'm making, helping you be comfortable. And that is, that is not my intention at all. Like, if you're not comfortable with being in the space with me, that's on you. Right, right. It's not yeah. To solve that, yeah. Right, right. Yeah, I think that's where I am too, and and hoping that I can continue to encourage my daughters to feel the same. Yes. Yeah, that's 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 it. And so that's I just realized we're wrapping when you asked me one question that I did not answer clearly about the children. You okay? How far are we in? That's right. You do what you want. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. All right, let me set it up. So before yes. we go, Norma, before we go, um, I, I, I am interested to hear how you've read your kids to not kind of take on this burden of race. Um, it's something that I um, have to readdress, I feel. Um, I think at first I had this plan that seemed to be working. He seems very comfortable in his skin. He's very proud of his Afro. He's always worn it. And so I, I, I like that he, that he looks for things that he feels proud in, in his heritage. Mm -hmm. Um, But then recently, definitely, I want to say last school year and this school year, Mm -hmm. getting older and, and like, you know, boys like the roughhousing and stuff like that. And he had one teacher, which is also, it's a very unique situation because no, we've not had any teachers that made my alarms go off like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and one teacher, and just constantly like pointing out like that he like, the something about the way, like that he, the way he spoke or like, and she was like, 
just constantly things that made me that it sounded like he needs to like be quiet and sit down more mm. and which i did not like and then the good thing is it's like we have a good rapport with the principal and stuff like that so it was addressed but then i did notice for myself that i started explaining to him how behavior from black boys is seen differently than behaviors from white boys especially when it comes to like goofy pranks and stuff like that so i i can i told him about being mindful and not participating with necessarily like you know like peer behavior because his will be judged so differently compared to a white boy um and I want to revisit that, what I, like, I feel like I made him think about lesser than. And so I want to revisit and, and find some books about how to explain that to him, but not put in his head that anybody's better than him or you know, there's right. something there that I was like, darn it. I feel like that made it, those conversations do feel like I don't have the same which is true, you don't have the same space. Things happen to black men and black boys. And, but yeah, I have to read up on it. I, I have to revisit how I address that with him. And that was actually a very hard thing to, um, to feel. Yeah. How is that different with your older son? Oh, I, I, I feel like with, with Denisio, I, I'm probably, I wanna say that that's mostly based on my surname behavior. And that is, you. Mm -hmm education needs to stand out you need to go to school you need to do well and blah blah and that was to me feeds into the see i can be a good yeah a good dutch person or i can be a and so i particularly want to follow that model because um it has it has its funkiness too like i like yeah if if i'm going out of my way to be this upstanding dutch citizen and you know, speak Dutch properly and have a great job and blah, blah. And still a white Dutch person does not accept me as a Dutch person, then why? Mm -hmm. Be who you want to be. That's how I feel. Like, I'm not saying that people then turn into savages. It's just like putting all that pressure on, on yourself to be this image or thing that makes you Dutch only for a white Dutch person to turn or Dutch society to turn around and say, Actually, you know, still not enough. Then, then no. Then I will let my children be more of anything else. Then they'll be always be upstanding citizens, or you know, like I don't, um, or not, I don't want to say law about it, but like you know, like I, I want to raise, and I believe I raise good people, but not definitely not to anybody else's standards for them anymore. I just want them. To have good morals and values and healthy coping mechanisms. Those three things are my main uh, things to instill in my children as they grow. Yeah. Right. Well, good. Wonderful. Well, let's hope that we are both. Uh, you know, we keep we keep our eye on our children. We focus on them to ensure that they don't um, grow up to be the kind of individuals who have to worry about what it means to be individuals of color, persons mm -hmm. of color in the world. That they can celebrate being people of color, but that's not the only thing that they are. Mm -hmm. Right? That they are also strong or they're women or they're men or they have interests in 
cooking or football or whatever the extracurricular yeah. might be. Um, but they're more than just their race is, is kind of my point. Yes, definitely. And especially for, for um, my, my children, because they're, they're male, they're both boys, they're going to be one the men. And I, I just, to, I, there, to me, there has not been a clear um, balance yet where you can explain how to be a black man without so much of the burden being mixed into that. And so that, and I'm also female, so that makes it even harder. But so that's hard for me to say, um, not, I just don't want them to just take on that part of being a black man. There's so much more to being a black man. And um, I want to find a better balance of like what it is that makes you proud to be a black man or like, I don't want to only constantly heap on the, oh, you know, it's heavy, careful, because you yeah, all that, that's already put on that, those two words. Right, and, it, and then it becomes very limiting. Yes. Because you're then now um, beholden to a particular ideal. Yes. So you have to be, yeah, to be cognizant of that too. Or do so much and then to, to, for people to pull you down. And then all of a sudden that just those two words seem to always be the one that bring you, bring down everything you stand for. That's ridiculous. Like, yeah. Yeah. Here, yeah. here. <laughs> well, I think that's a good way to end. Um, don't worry, guys. Our next, um, our next uh, podcast will be on a lighter, on a lighter note, we'll be talking yeah. <laughs> about summer holidays. So don't worry. But these are important issues. And this is, again, we do this because we enjoy sharing our perspective. I think for us, well, I'll speak for myself, kind of going back down memory lane. Mm-hmm. Some things are amusing and um, just kind of bring back warm feelings of how it was, how it was back then. Yeah. And some kind of painful memories too. Not painful to the extent of crying, but an uneasiness, especially mm-hmm. with revelation of history um, that I'm now learning and stumbled upon. And then just kind of this connection to where we are now. So um, we believe that these are important topics that relate to some of you who are listening or yes. to those who may not relate. It's kind of an eye opener and it's a way to introduce you to a different experience. Um, so that's why we are, we do a lot around race because yes. it's black girls with accents, which kind of <laughs> contradicts everything we just said. And then um but we also like to, to bring you content that's fun and a little bit more lighthearted. So we'll, we'll do that on the next one. Yeah, no. sounds good. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. You can find us on Anchor, on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify. You can follow us on Instagram, on Black Girls with Accent. Um, yeah, that's it. We love to hear from you guys. So. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Take care.